to your feet and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 6. The Gospel of John, chapter number 6. And I'm going to switch mics. Amen. Amen. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? All right. I'm going to leave that there. So the Gospel of John, chapter number 6. And just so you know, we'll probably be in John chapter 6 for the duration of the message. So we're going to read from verse number 22 down to verse 27. And then we're going to go all the way down to verse number 50 and 51. When you get there, you can say amen. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus has not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people, therefore, saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of God will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then verse number 50. This is Jesus. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Let's pray. Daddy, we thank you so much for your word. God, we don't know what we would do without your word. It, it is living, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, your word, it brings so much light and revelation. And so, Lord, we respect and we honor your word. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as I stand today that you would use me for your glory. Father, I'm the conduit this morning that you might speak through me, make your appeal through me, touch the heart of every person, and draw us closer to the to the flame. Draw us closer to you that we might be conformed more to your image. We praise you and we thank you for what you're about to say and do in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today we are starting a brand new series entitled, I Am. So this series will reveal... Uh, the nature of God. We will discuss throughout the series the attributes that defines who Jesus is. Uh, 
So many of you, if you know your Bibles, Jesus made a lot of I am statements. And this series is entitled I am series. Jesus made statements like I am the light of the world. He says, I'm the door of the sheep. In other words, on the way to God, I am the good shepherd. In other words, I'm the one who will treat you right. I will take good care of you. I am the son of God, God in flesh. I am, Jesus says, the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also says that I am the true vine. So we will be exploring some of these throughout this month, and I'm really excited about it, as we talk about the nature of God. And if we really think about why Jesus made these statements, he was really trying to help all of us to understand that he is truly all that we need. Look at your neighbor and say, he's all that you need. Jesus said this statement, I love this verse in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I'm gentle and lowly at heart. How many know that there's a lot of people looking for rest today? There's a lot of people looking for peace. And everybody is searching for satisfaction. But the problem, and we recognize this, is that people are looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. People go from spouse to spouse, hoping that somehow if they marry this person, if they find that person that they've been believing God for, that this person will satisfy their every, every need. They go from car to car, from house to house, from job to job, to drugs to worse drugs. And, and all of this to discover that apart from God, none of these things ultimately satisfy. Like a dog that returns to his vomit, these people wind up in the same old empty place saying, there has got to be more. They are left realizing that those things don't satisfy, but instead of turning to Jesus, they try the, those same things in a different form. Because they don't understand that in every person, God has created a void. And that void is the desire for fulfillment. And the only one that is really going to fill that void is Jesus himself. And so what happens is we live in a generation today, if you open your eyes and you can see people are in and out, out and in, and they're trying everything, doing everything, going around in the same old circles, ever learning, but never ever coming to a knowledge of the truth because what the enemy wants to trick us into thinking is that we need Jesus and we need Jesus and something else. In other words, the enemy wants you to think that Jesus is not enough. Right. That's what he, he wants you to think that, man, you, you know, and this is how a lot of people approach God. 
And one of the things that is my pet peeve, I hate to hear people say this, I want to make Jesus a part of my life. No offense, I think I understand what you're trying to say. But, but, but how many know that you can't make Jesus a part of your life? Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Jesus did not come to be a part of your life. How many know he came to take the thing over? Because you and I both know that the life we had before Christ was truly empty. So why do we want to turn back to the weak and beggarly elements all over again? And you've already had your feel of the world. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it did not satisfy. And so we live in a world today where people are just, they don't even know they're singing it, but they're singing that old Mick Jagger song. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I can't get no satisfaction. But I'm here to tell you today that you can find total and complete satisfaction in Jesus. Now, I, I want to expound on this. So you just got to be patient with me as I, as I construct this sermon this morning. So let's look at the origin of the I am statement that Jesus makes. And he makes so many of them. The phrase I am was first used to describe God. You remember in the book of Exodus, when God called Moses, y'all remember Moses was all afraid and scared and God, I, I can't, I can't talk. I can't do it. And, and God had to, in a burning bush, God was talking to Moses, Moses, I'm going to send you, Moses, to deliver my people out of Egypt. And Moses said, but, but, but God, God, who, 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 who would I tell him sent me? I mean, are they not going to believe it? Who would I say? And, and here's what he says in Exodus 3.14. I had to read it. I like this. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now you understand that I am was God's way of saying that he has always been there's no beginning of days. There's no ending of days. God is eternal. Where did God come from? God has always been here. God was not created. He always existed. He is creator God. He, when he says, I am, he is saying, I am the source of all life. All things, all people, everything has its dependence upon God. I am whatever you need. I'm the source of life. I am creator God. And so then we fast forward to John chapter 8 verses 58 and 59. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, watch this, I say to you, watch this, before Abraham was, because see, they were trying to compare Jesus to Abraham. How many know that's a no-no? <laughs> he said, before Abraham was, I am. Now watch what they did. Now, do you think they, they, they took that lightly? The Bible says in verse 59, then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so he passed by. And so what was Jesus proclaiming? Jesus was proclaiming that he is the son of God, that he is God in flesh. And as God in flesh, he qualifies to say exactly what it is that you and I need. Why? Because he created us. And Jesus is creator God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word what? Was God. 
And so when Jesus says, I am, he's saying, I am the same God that you read about in the, in, the, in, in the book of Exodus. I am the same, but I'm here in flesh so that you might get a revelation of who I am. And so this drops us down as we understand what I am means. It drops us down to our main passage this morning. Here, to give you a backdrop to John chapter 6, Jesus had fed 5,000 people. And that's not even including all the children and babies. That's, you know, this is just a, a number, general number. Jesus fed 5,000 people. And, and when he had fed the 5,000 people, man, I mean, people were excited. People were astonished. They were like, oh, man, you know, and they wanted to make him king. They were all happy. I mean, Jesus, I mean, you know, you can imagine Pastor Jesus, the church is growing. We got over 5,000 people plus kids. Everything is going well. The church is growing. Stuff is booming. Come on, look, Pastor Jesus, we're on the run. And all of a sudden, Jesus has to open his mouth. John chapter 6 is some tough stuff. Because when you're trying to grow a church, you don't say the things that Jesus said. <laughs> All the church growth experts would say, Jesus, hold up, hold up, wait a minute. You must be politically correct. Got to be careful what you say. You got to part. How many know that Jesus didn't parse words? When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus didn't need, a, he didn't, he didn't need his ego to be stroked. He was stating a fact. And how many know that truth must come, must come uninhibited? We must be bold enough to say the truth and how many know Jesus is the truth. So Jesus, here he is, Jesus, he got all these people that are following, and then Jesus started to preach. He started to say some things in John chapter 6, and we're going to draw from this particular chapter some of the things that Jesus did. Now, I want you to listen this morning because some of your toes might get stepped on. But here's my advice to you. If the shoe fits, wear it. How many know the Holy Spirit? No, I see some people already sitting up already. I see that's good. You're getting ready. Yeah. See, how many know that the Holy Spirit know exactly where you are? Isn't it good that you can come to church and God speak to you? You know, some people come to church and they get mad. They say, Lord, speak to me. Then they come to church and the Lord speak to them through that man or woman serving. They all upset. Ain't me. Here's what I'm trying to say. If it's you. Just say, okay, God, it's me. It's me. Because how many of you want to be free? How many of you want to be delivered? So I don't know about you. I didn't come to church to look cute. I want to be conformed. I want to be changed. So whatever word that I need to get me where I need to get, then get me there. I can receive it. Jesus, first point is, as we look at the chapter of John chapter 6, is Jesus understood why the people were seeking him. <laughs> John 20, let me read a couple more verses. Look at John twenty two twenty six. 26. On the following day when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, they saw that there was no other boat there. I want you to jump down to verse number 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. Mm. But because you ate the loaves and were filled. Can I say something? Everybody who comes to church ain't seeking Jesus. 
Jesus knew exactly what. I mean, you would think, man, all these people are following. Leave them alone, Jesus. You know, you got a big crowd. You know, you got the crowd following you. And and Jesus said, y'all think, imagine this. Why y'all come here? Y'all didn't follow me for me. Y'all follow me because you're hungry. You're just just following me because because, because, because you want food. How many know that Jesus is better than food? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now watch. So Jesus understood then, and he understand now, why people come through the doors of a church. See, some people come to church, watch this. Some people come to church looking for a husband or wife. I know some of y'all don't want to hear that, but it's true. Some people come to church, man, because they didn't get the, they need to the network. You know, I need to get a job connection. Some people come to church, man, because, you know, my kids are just whack and I don't know what to do. So the only thing I can think about is church. You know, maybe I get me. Do y'all have a child care? Do y'all have something? Because my house is all tore up. I need you to just kind of help me get through this. Some folks come to church, man, because they've been sinning in a bad relationship. They ain't been married anyway, and they've been fornication, and they got their heart broke, and I just need to feel better about myself. So then I'll go to church. Now, don't tell me I'm sinning now. Just make me feel better. Give me a little ointment, you know, just, you know, because church is not supposed to be hard. You know, you're supposed to just, just, just patronize me. Some people come to church because they, they just need their bills paid. They ain't seeking Jesus. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my wife will tell you this, that we get phone calls all the time when voice messages left and people saying, uh, I don't even know their name. I ain't never seen them. I need my electric bill. I need all this stuff to be paid. Now, they don't want nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. All they want is I just want my bills paid. You know, I got a car no pastor, and I don't know, so, so can y'all help me? I, I, I need this. Pastor, I, you know, I'm having a tough time. I, 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 you know, just, you know, I just need help with these, with these kids. Do you have somebody? Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying that when it comes to a relationship with God, he wants you to seek him. See, many people want what's on the master's table, but they don't want the master. You see, see what, what happens is, you see, so, so you got people, so, so people assume that because you got a large crowd, because let's be honest, this is how we define in American culture a successful church. I'm not knocking a lot of people. I like a lot of people. But we define successful church by how many people are coming. How many know that's not how Jesus defined it? <laughs> that ain't how Jesus, and, and, I'll, and I'll show you that in here in a moment. So many people, so here's what happens. Now, here, now here's the evidence of it, because what happened is oftentimes, when, you know, when, when, when things get hard, you know, you saw them coming for a while, things are going great, and all of a sudden, man, they fall off the map. Where he at? I have one brother, and I can say it because nobody here connected to him. You don't know who it is in Jesus' name. Baptized a brother, never saw him again. In fact, when he see me, he run the other way. You know why? Because he never came seeking Jesus. He came seeking something else. 
Oh, and how many know God will work with you where you're at, but how many know that at, at, at some point God begins to wean you off of the dependency of the world? See, see what happened is, how, how many know this is what this is? See, sometimes God will put us in tight spots. Hear this, church. So that he can wean us off of the dependency of the world and all that it has to offer. Now, you remember Job, right? Job, a righteous man, a godly man, an upstanding man. And, and Satan, Job was so bad, he got all of hell's attention. Not just heaven, but hell. And, 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 and Satan went to God. And Satan wanted to destroy Job. He says, God, watch this, church. The only reason why Job is following you and worshiping you the way that he's worshiping you is because you bless him with a whole lot of stuff. But you take the blessing from him. This is Job chapter 1 and 2. But if you take all the stuff from him, see would he follow you then. Oh, I want to ask you today, church, if God took everything from you, all your stuff, will you still be able to praise him in the midnight hour? When you lose your job, when you have nothing, are you still satisfied with Jesus? I, I submit to you, a lot of people will be like, no, I ain't asked for all this. Because what God, I mean, know that there comes a point in time when, 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 when as a, at a babe in Christ, yeah, God got to let you drink that milk for a while. But at some point, he's going to begin to, begin to separate you from your dependency on the world. And so sometimes God lets you go without Oh, God, God, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God let them go hungry. Oh, God. it wasn't that God didn't know. The Bible said God, he said, he let them go hungry that they might know that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out from the mouth of God. In other words, God says, I got a wing. And what Satan was, what Satan was banking on, Satan was banking on the fact that, because he knew there was a whole lot of people following God just for what they can get. And Satan says, and Satan was hoping, he said, Job's going to do the same thing. And what did Job say? Though you slay me, yet will I trust him. Job, then, then, the, then the, the enemy took his health. And yes, Job went through a period of time when it was, it was real hard. He had some questions. But Job just never walked out on God. How many know God needed a witness and he sought out Job? Let me tell you something. You are a bad boy if God seeks you out. How many of you want to be used by God? God says, I need a witness. I need somebody in the earth who will worship me when they ain't got nothing else but me. Mm. You see, this is, this, is, this is the test. Because what happens is when stuff don't go right, when my bills ain't paid, when things ain't happening for me, I get upset and I walk away because you never were seeking Jesus. You were seeking, you're just trying to survive. And what you don't understand is your real survival is locked into the one who is the source of life. And if you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. Are you hearing me? Some of you, you find it hard to believe, but it's the truth. Have you know the Apostle Paul got this thing down? I'm jumping all over the place. But, but you remember the Apostle Paul? Apostle Paul says something. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 10. Watch this. He says, but what things were gained to me? Think about this. He says, what things were gained to me? These I have counted lost for Christ. Paul had it all. He says, yet indeed I also count all. Everybody say all. 
all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish. That's a nice way of saying doo-doo. Y'all know what doo-doo is? Do we need to elaborate? That I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may, watch this church, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul said, I, he said, I just want to know him. I want to know him so deeply, I want to fellowship with his suffering. In other words, I want to partake of the same kind of suffering that Jesus had, that I might be more like him. How I many know Paul got it? He got it. Paul was an amazing man because he realized that nothing else, we sung it this morning, nothing else matters. See, how many know that nothing else really matters but Jesus? The whole thing is about Jesus. The whole church, the whole thing, it is all about Jesus. Ah. So Jesus, Jesus had to, he's dealing with this and he says to the disciples, he says, he says, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. <laughs> Jesus was saying to them, you're hungry. You've been hungry for a long time. You, you're hungry. Just like he said to the woman at the well. You remember the woman at the well? Well, oh, she came to the well, and Jesus knew that she was thirsty. How was she thirsty? Because she was going from man to man. She had five husbands. Jesus, you had five husbands, and the one you had ain't even, you ain't even married to him. In other words, this woman was all over the place, and Jesus said to her, woman, I got water to drink that, that you will never, ever thirst again. Oh, Jesus, give me that water. She had no idea what he was talking about. How many know there's a lot of people today who have no idea what Jesus is talking about? And Jesus comes to fulfill our every need. In other words, our hunger. Look at, look, look at the world around you today. People are hungry. They don't even know, they don't even realize that they're really seeking Jesus. I believe that every person, hear me, are y'all listening say amen? I believe every person is seeking Jesus. They just don't know it. Well, Pastor, why you say that? Because they're seeking fulfillment. Some of you right now, your life has just been about surviving, and you don't understand that if you will somehow embrace Jesus, love him, serve him, uh, worship him, that how many know that all your needs will be taken care of? How many know that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills? God ain't tripping about what you need. Why are you? He ain't tripping. Because he knows he owns it all. He says, I'm the bread of life. Isaiah 55. I love this verse. He says, hold everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by, eat, yes. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Listen to this. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And eat what is not good. He said, let your soul 
delight itself in abundance. See, when Jesus was saying, I'm the bread of life, he's using this metaphor to say that, that I know you're hungry, but, but if you come to me, you'll get satisfied. But how many know you just can't, how many know how you come is important? Because a lot of people, quote unquote, they come to Jesus. How many know that some of you right now, you're sitting in church, you ain't never came to Jesus? You know about him. Your mother told you about him. You know about religion. But is he the first thing that you think about when you wake up in the morning? Are you talking to him during the course of the day? Do, do your heart aches when you miss the time of devotion? When, 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 you, when, when, when maybe for whatever reason that you didn't have time in the morning to spend time with Jesus, and, 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 that's, and then in somewhere in the middle of the day, your heart just begins to ache, and you say, ah, oh, I just got to get in his presence. Do you hunger for him? Do you want him that way? Jesus, as I said to you earlier, in, in, 50, in verse 53 and 55, Jesus said this. He says, most assuredly, I say to you unless, you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, look at this, and drink his blood, you have no life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, as I said before, how you know this ain't a way to keep a crowd, right? This ain't a way to grow your church. <laughs> I'm right about it. You know, you don't say things. Can you imagine the CNN and everybody got the cameras on them and Jesus said to y'all, y'all need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Can you imagine the ruckus that will cause? Could you imagine how they would be talking about Jesus? He's a lunatic. You need to lock him up. You are, he, he is a nut. This man is talking about eating flesh, drinking my blood. He is out of his mind. See, what Jesus was really trying to get to, listen to me, he was trying to get people to get below because, they, because what they were walking in was too shallow. They didn't have a relationship. They were only following him because of what he could give them. And how many know God will give you stuff, but how many know it's coming to a point in time, if you're trusting in stuff, wait for it. If you're a Christian and you're trusting in stuff, wait for it. He's coming to you and he is going to pull you away from it. He's going to put, let me tell you, he's going to put, he's going to bring you to a test. And that's a prophetic word. Now, if you love Jesus, don't be afraid because how many know that God is good? Didn't we say that? God is good all the time. What? God is, didn't we say that? Oh, he's good. He's good and he always do what's best for us even when we don't really understand what's best for us. That's what a good God do. How many know good parents do what their kids give them, give them what they are supposed to have, not what they want? If you give kids what they want, you are a bad parent. If, listen, listen to me. If your child, because how many know kids don't know what they want? I want it. If my, if, you know what I'm talking about. If it was up to them, they would just eat Cheerios. Come on, somebody. They would eat junk food, cake, cookies. They wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't want to go to bed. They wouldn't want to do anything. You do what is best for them. That's what good parents does. How many know God is a good parent? And God's going to do for us what is best for us. So when Jesus, so what was this drink my, 
drink my blood and eat my flesh. What was this all about? What Jesus was really saying is this. He, he was really saying, you see, it's kind of like communion. We're going to do communion here in a moment. What Jesus was really saying is become one with me. Find your delight in me. Love me. Desire me. Crave me. Desire me above everything else that you could ever imagine. Want me more. See, when Jesus was saying, drink my blood and, and eat my flesh, he was saying, become one with me. Come to me. Yeah. Find your pleasure in me. And if, I don't, and if you don't have anything from my hand, then love me anyway. That's what he said. We said, eat my flesh and drink my blood because he knew that the majority of the people that were following him, they weren't there. And some of you sitting here today, you're not there. Because when things go haywire in your life, we don't see you for a few weeks, for a couple of months. Because, how many know that God is in the process of weaning us off of the dependency of the world? <laughs> you know, I... I pray for our nation because we're in a, a very, very funny time. It's not really not funny, but we're in a time where I believe, and I said this before, that the church has a golden opportunity. Because people are hungry. And people are dependent on things. But I want you to know today that I ain't dependent on nobody but Jesus. Y'all want to know where I stand? That's where I stand. Pastor, will you, that's where I stand with. G. I ain't dependent on none of them jokers. They ain't my savior. Are you hearing me? I mean no disrespect. Do whatever you feel like you got to do. But my hope is in nothing less. But Jesus' blood and his righteousness, I'll go to my grave saying it, and I'll go to my grave living it because I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. And I've tried the other stuff. It don't work. It leaves you nothing but with headache. But see, how me know that as children of light, we ought to know better. You, you got all the, the, Paul describes it as you have this treasure in earthen vessel. You got stuff on the inside of you that the world needs. You got the stuff in you. Release. Look at your neighbor and say release. In Jesus' name, we need, we need to release. See, Jesus knew, watch this church. Jesus knew who was with them and was prepared for people to leave. John 6, 4, 6 to 4 to 66, but there are some of you who do not believe. Oh, here it is. But Jesus knew from the beginning. Oh, did y'all get that? Jesus knew from the beginning. How many know that Jesus knows? What did he know? He knew who they were who did not believe, and he knew who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I say to you that no one can come unto me, oh, get this, unless it has been granted to him by my father. 
from that time, listen to this church, from that time, from that time, not just a couple, not just a few. It said many, everybody say many. Many of his disciples went back, watch this church, and walk with him no more. In other words, they left and they said, I ain't coming back. And how many know that Jesus made the statement? How many know that Jesus shrunk the church on purpose? Because he didn't want something that was fake church. He wanted to, how many know, how many know, you know, Jesus is after what's real. See, see, we want a big crowd, but how many know that we want a crowd that are full of the Holy Ghost? Oh, come on, somebody. I, I, I want to pastor a church of, a lot, of, of 95 to 100% of the people in the church. They truly do love God, and they are seeking him and delight in him, find their pleasure in him and him alone. Jesus said, Eat my flesh, drink my blood. They all walked away. And he said, and he says, he says, well, Jesus knew who it was. And he said to them, this is why I told you from the beginning. Watch this. He said, this is why I said that no one can come unto me unless my father draws them. In other words, they walked because they were never really a part of me in the first place. How many know sometimes folk come to the altar and you ever seen them walk and they don't look back? Sometimes it's because Whatever happened at the altar, there wasn't an authentic connection with God. Because how many know that God knows those who are his? And when you've been changed by God, I don't care who you are. I don't know about this kind of stuff that's going there. I'm just going to tell it like it is. You know, when, when you have an encounter with God, something in your life changed. Now, it may not change at the same veracity and pace as others, but you can't tell me that you got saved and your life is exactly the same. How many know that when you have an encounter with the bread of life, everything is different? Everything, your whole life, your perspective begins to shift because you have just come out of darkness into light. Have you ever been in darkness, in a place that was real dark and you couldn't find a light switch? How many ever got up in the If you're like me, I sleep with all the lights out. And every now and then, I, I trip on stuff because I'm trying to find a light. And when I find the light, it's like, ah, now I can see. How many know that when you translate from darkness to light, your demeanor change? <laughs> because you've been impacted by the light. So Jesus knew. And he let them walk. Why did he let them walk? Because he knew they weren't in it for the right reasons. He knew that they were faking it. He knew that even if they weren't faking it, they had a misunderstanding. And they didn't really understand. But then he looks at the, he looks at the 12. Look at verse 66. 67 and 68. Look at this. Then Jesus said to the 12. <laughs> and it's amazing. He got all these people, right? He shrunk the church. Got all these people upset because, you know, they're mad at him now. They're upset. And he looked at the 12. You would, and Jesus, look, he says, he basically says, look, it says in verse number 67, he, he says, uh, do you want to go away? <laughs> in other words, are, are you going to be next? But Simon Peter answered and said to him, watch, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, in other words, 
The 12 stayed. You know why they stayed? Because at some point they realized that Jesus was really the center of it all. They realized that this thing is all about Jesus. Why did they die and give up everything? You know, if you go back and you look at the history of the, of the disciples and how they died, I mean, some of them died some horrific death. They gave up everything and they died hard death. You know why? Because nothing else mattered to them. They gave it all up. They just wanted Jesus because they realized the treasure. I mean, whatever you have in Jesus is far greater than whatever, whatever material things that you can gather on this earth. Because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he has. This is why Jesus said, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and everything will be added to you. Stop tripping. Do you love him? Or, do, or are you following as long as he provides for you the stuff? Only you can answer that question this morning. I can't question, I can't question your relationship with God. I can't even really question, I don't know your motive. You know your own motives. But I, 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 I surmise that some of us, some of you, you may be here this morning only because you feel an obligation to be here, to come to church. Some of you are here because, you know, you just grew up in church all your life and you just knew you are just supposed to be in church. This is serious business. But what I want to ask you today, and what Jesus wants to know, because really he already knows, but he wants you to come into understanding about this. Do you love me? You remember Jesus said to Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? You know, we said, you know, I, you know how easy it is to say I love Jesus? How many know that, you know, we, we, we throw that around a lot? I pray that you love him. And I pray that you prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. But I even pray that if things don't go the way that you want them to go or the way that somebody told you or the way that some preacher preached to you, if for some reason God don't come through in the manner that you believed, all right, that you will still say, God, though you slay me, I'm going to bless you. God, I'm still going to worship you. You can't do nothing to me, God, to make me go away. I'm all in. That's what Peter was saying. Peter was like, God, where will we go? We've given up everything for this. We ain't got nothing else. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? I don't, I, you know, I told somebody the other day, I said, brother, I, I'm all in. I don't have no, nothing else. I don't, brother, what will you do when you retire? Brother, I'm going to preach because I got, I got nothing else. I'm all in. I got nothing else. And you know what? It feels good. And you know, when you come to that place, how many know God can then trust you with stuff? How many know the Bible says concerning Job that God blessed them seven times more in the end? How many know that it's always well with the people that decide to follow Jesus? It's always going to end up well for you because you love them. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.